Welcome to Try Not to Blink, a podcast about the ups and downs, ins and outs, news tips and tricks of those who live the optometry lifestyle. We'd like to thank the amazing people at Valley Contacts who've made this podcast possible, makers of stellar gas permeable lenses and the oh-so-incredible custom stable scleral lens. In case you're wondering, I'm on the East Coast. My name's Dr. James Diem, and I am joined by my talented co-host, Reppin' the West Coast, Dr. Roya Habibi. What is up, Roya? It's spring break! Kind of. Is it? I think it is, right? It's March. Mid-March. End of March. It's time to go to Panama City. Go to Key Panama West. Panama City. Oh, is that right? Go to Cabo. Yes. I didn't know that was a thing, that Panama City place. Um, for those of you that don't know, it's in the Panhandle of Florida, yes? Something like that. Am I right? Yeah, that's where it is. It's I'm pretty sure. Somebody could correct us on that. I went to um, a meeting once in the Panhandle, Florida, and um, it was in, I forget what it was called, but very pretty, Gulf Coast of Florida, beautiful, and uh, right next to this town was uh, Panama City, and I remember people saying, oh, you know, you don't want to go there, crazy kids, it's the, so, that's a real thing. It's a real thing. It is, it's a real thing. I don't know where you got it from, but it's a real thing. College. So what should we know about? I've got some juicy what gossip. What are going to hit us with? Speaking of gossip. Let's hear it. Real gossip. Okay, so obviously I'm in Seattle. You all know that. We're up in the West Coast. But I just learned some great gossip from the Sorry. Seattle area. Did okay. you know that one of the, in fact, maybe the most sued doctor, eye doctor. Come on. Is in and was from Seattle. Not an optometrist. Just luckily, just it's an ophthalmologist. His yeah. name is Herschel Boyd, and I learned this as a funny story as I was complaining to one of my partners, who's an ophthalmologist, about uh, one of my patients I was dealing with who has uh, scleral lenses that I'm fitting for. Um, he has RK. He's post RK and was just having issues because he has so many scars. And he's like, oh, is he an old Boyd patient? Which uh. I have seen multiple times in charts for patients, Boyd RK, which I just assume like there says, are all these funny, right. There's a lot of like, like you know, brand. just like anything. There's so many like procedures that are named after people's last names True. that I just assume that it's just some procedure I don't know about. Right. And I don't know much right. about like the logistics of RK, RK. aside from the fact yeah. that it's archaic. It's huh. no good. Yeah. <laughs> That was tight. Um, anyways, Herschel Boyd was actually a doctor working out of Bellevue, Washington, which is just a stone throw away right across one of the lakes in Washington, in Seattle. And he currently was, oh no, even best part of the story, he was a former president of the National Ophthalmologic Association. So this was. doctor was deemed to have a magic touch. People flocked from everywhere to his Bellevue practice. Uh. And because he was one of the pioneers of RK. When they returned with blurry vision or eye pain, he told him, don't worry, like it's fine. People trusted him because his reputation was so high. And again, because he was a past president, right? Right. 
well-known, respected. But according to the Washington State Medical Quality Assurance Commission, he had 70 complaints against him by the time his license was revoked in 1997. His license was actually revoked, Revoked. He also transferred all of his assets to a small, tiny European country called Liechtenstein. Yeah, well, that makes sense. (laughs) And um, he's no longer available. Um, He also has settlements of up above around $17 million and 159, or sorry, 149 reports. He also fled his $6 million mansion rather than facing the avalanche, quote unquote, of lawsuits of botched eye surgery. Crazy, huh? He just went for it. I mean. How many... um, what is the most RK incisions you've ever seen on Oh, an eye? God. Like, honestly, like 50. Like, sometimes Come I on. see so many. Seriously? I'm not joking. I don't know why, what rhyme or reason, but I mean, there's sometimes so many that you're like, am I looking at a weird disease? Can I even count that high? Yeah. It, yeah, you lose count. I mean, like, I'll just count a quadrant and then stop because it's like, by then it's just too hard. You think they're mostly like, in, and in those cases, it almost have to be treatments and retreatments and touch-ups. and I don't know. I really don't. Most I've seen is like 12. Oh, 12 is like, 12 is easy to count. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah 12 is easy. Yeah. It's usually, I'll, I'll tell you this, it usually isn't done in sets of four. Huh. So eight. Like 12, 16, four, yeah. Four. It's usually in yes. four quadrants. Each quadrant has a similar wow. clock hour amount. Wow. wow. Usually. Okay. Even with the Boyd method. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a picture of one of my patients that's yeah. actually doing fabulously in scleral lenses. He's, he's like 20, 25. He's there just dealing with some he early cataracts. My, the one I'm thinking of that is the most, but... And he's like plus five, minus six. Oh, God, terrible. Axis 32. You know, though, I'll say that even some of his patients, so I clearly don't have any of his upset patients, but even his patients that I know, they would do it again. It's a weird (laughs) thing about RK patients. RK patients really don't regret their decision 80% of the time. Yeah, I'd say you're probably right about that. Almost everyone's like, you know, I had two great years. (laughs) Yeah, they're just like, oh yeah, I had that surgery. I know it's not like done anymore. anymore. Like, yeah, I don't know. They are a weird subtype of patients, right? Like, they're very peculiar. Maybe they had to be. Like, it's not really that they're peculiar, but like to have chosen to do that early surgery at that time, it took a certain personality trait. True. So maybe they were self-selected. From the beginning. I don't know. It's a definitely unique group, though. You're absolutely right. Huh. Yeah. Fun fact for the day. A little gossip for the day. So, you know how we preach to patients about adhering to their appointments, right? You know, you want to, you know, patient. Today was one of those days for me where I had patient after patient after patient who I've not seen in three or four years. And, you know, you're getting to that point in your career where it's like, wow, you know, four years ago, right? Like, that's it is kind of crazy. No, I know what yeah. you mean. Like, and, welcome back uh, is usually what I say. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, it was almost like a different time, you know, for you. You <laughs> yeah. know, like, you're just getting started, maybe a little more conservative. 
Um, and, and so you're seeing those patients back and it's just starting to, you know, bring back feelings. But, you know, for some of these patients, it's like, where, you know, where have you been? You know, and I have a patient today and she's, you know, uh, mid for upper forties, maybe low fifties even. And she's just one of those patients telling you everything that you need to do for her. Right. <laughs> um, She's like a mild hyper up with a little bit of stigmatism, but she's got a plus two ad. And she's like, yeah, I, I tried those progressives. I'm, I'm definitely not doing that again. I'm only getting reading glasses. And, uh, you know, we're talking a little bit. She's like, yeah, I take allergy medicine. I have two types of asthma and I take a daily allergy, you know, pill. And sometimes I do, you know, nasal sprays and blah, blah, blah. My eyes bother me all the time. Um, and I look back at my notes. I prescribed her stasis and Lodamax and I asked her to come back. She's like, oh, yeah, I, I tried that for like, you know, a month and it was $50. And so I just decided I'm not going to do that. And, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, I did ask you to come back and, you know, here we are four years later. And, um, you know, I just want to point out that, you know, you're here four years later and I asked you to come back two months later. And, um, so far you've told me everything that I should do for you. <laughs> did you say that? You know, yeah. Cause I was really kind of frustrated with her. You know, I was just like, you know, here I am, you know, busting my, you know what, and really try to go the extra mile for you to help you and talk to you about things that could help you. She's telling me about how her reading glasses aren't helping and, you know, it's not helping at distance or that distance and going on and on about how terrible progressives are. And it's just, you know, I try to explain always, you know, that your eyes are different. You're different. Your experience is different. So just because it didn't work two years ago doesn't mean it's not going to work for you now, you know? So we just kind of just got to work through this and we can, we can do it. I promise. But um, it's frustrating when patient has every answer, you know, before you even give her anything. So anyway, um, you know, we, we really didn't come to any agreement, to be honest. I did prescribe her new medicine. I did ask her to come back in two months, but I presume she probably won't <laughs> come back. Uh, but did you ever want to tell your patients that, you know, if you miss your appointment, if you don't show, if you don't do what we are asking you to do, you will go blind. <laughs> did you ever want to say that? I mean, sort of. And sometimes I kind yeah. of do. Yeah. But also, it's I'm not trying to scare someone. Like, I won't say it necessarily if they're of a healthy eye. Yeah, it's like at the same token, like, no, they may not go blind, but the purpose of what we're doing is to assure that that does not happen. Right. And also to let them know that we give a you-know-what. It's not like I'm going to prescribe you medicine or ask you to use these glasses. Like, there are many times where I will actually have a patient come for follow-up when I'd rather not for, you know, progressive. Like, I don't want to deal with the nonsense, to be totally blunt with you, Um I want my optician to deal with that, but there are occasions where I will say, listen, I am so confident in what I am asking you to do because I feel like it's the best for you that I'm going to set an appointment for you in a month and we will sit and talk about it and make sure that it worked. Yeah. You know? So that's the purpose of this. It's to give you the the safety of knowing that I give a damn and we're going to talk about it. I'm going to look you in the eyes after you spend whatever you're going to spend and all the work that you did and find out if it if I'm right or or if we need to do something different. So there's a study that actually looked at this and it's it's not specific to what I'm talking about, but the point is is well taken, I think. And it's what's the association between visit adherence and visual outcomes um, 
and and that's really where I wish the study would end. <laughs> but it's in individuals with neovascular age-related macular degeneration. So I think you could probably get where this is going to go, and we could you know put the uh, link to the study. But basically, what it shows is that visit adherence contributed to visual acuity outcomes. So better outcomes, better visual acuity in, in um, the measured visual acuity is, of these patients was, was shown to be different patients that missed only one appointment in a two-year two year time span. So if they missed at least one appointment at a two-year time span, they had significantly um, worse vision or decline in visual acuity over patients that were being managed similarly but adhered to all their appointments. And you know, I tell patients that all the time, you know, look, this is what's going on. This is what we're seeing. You know, this is when I want to see you back. And so I think I will be, I will start to cite this study and say, there are studies that show it when you adhere to your vision uh, appointments, when you adhere to your appointments, your visual acuity uh, long-term is better. So now you go, you can all do that too, even though you're kind of holding back a little piece of that information. It's when you have wet macular degeneration. So, <laughs> I mean, anyway. realistically, if someone ran out a study for every problem, they probably would find similar findings. Yeah. When you have attention, to, it's like, how many times are you taking your car into the shop? Are you following the manufacturer's protocol? If not, more likely to have problems, right? Yeah. You should so follow you recommendations. Yeah. Period. Cell pod, hit me. Cell pod of the day. I'm going to go ahead and rep. Another thing that I think is badass that Valley did, it's their new Boost program. Boost! And I mentioned a couple weeks ago about their new program for teaching patients how to use their lenses with a legit manual that's beautiful and not You say manual too. I think it's important because I think manual sounds a little boring, a little bit. A scleral lens success guide. There you go. Fine. Yeah, it's it's just it's but it's easy. It's digestible. Yeah, it's short. It's, pretty. it's to pictures. the point. It's for patients, right? I that's, mean, that's for the patients. Whole idea here. Now right. the next step of their program is awesome. Now it's you as a doctor. Right. You do this service that is next level, but how do you show that? How do you show that to patients in your own practice? How right. do you show that when you go to talk to other doctors to say, Hey, I'm doing this? What about if you're into publishing stuff in the paper? They formed two other programs. This They call it their scleral lens rack card, which I've never really called it that, a rack card, but sounds like a set of racks. <laughs> but something you put out in the in your waiting area. You could give it yeah, to other doctors. But it's basically thing. information explaining what scleral lenses are, conditions yeah. they treat, how they work something that you could provide both for a patient resource and a fellow doctor resource. And, you know, no offense to like GPLI or, you know, all these, um, you know, organizations been around for a while and have uh, some of this information, pamphlets and, you know, patient information and doctor information. But sometimes, all the time, this stuff is outdated, right? It's it's not just outdated from a com- or from a content standpoint. It's outdated from a visual standpoint, right? Like totally. people want to see colors. They want to see, um, uh, you know, graphics. That a brand. Are, they want to see yeah, a message that's yeah, communicated yeah. strictly through design. I mean, we are millennials now, and I guess the baby boomers are like the bigger generation and the bigger population that we're dealing with mostly, but people appreciate good design. And I think that Valley is brilliant to do that because 
Good work. I don't want to look at these old handouts that look they were made 40 years ago that have someone crying on the front cover and that are brown. I want to see a pretty, (laughs) nicely designed lens card from GPLI (laughs) or the the gas perm bifocal card (laughs) from GPLI. Like I ordered a bunch of them when I I started practice, and I still use them. I do too sometimes. What does it say? Scleral lenses are like out of this world or something. (laughs) Scleral lenses are cool. Modern. It's brilliant. So it's great. It's free. Go on their website. We'll have it linked. It is easy marketing. You can brand it for yourself. They will help you. It is a very, very nice thing to be able to have. And again, a whole page ad if you want to grab readers' attention, a strong visual, great way to elevate your practice. So this is you for marketing scleral lens. Pearls for you. You may have the skills, but people need to know it. Right. And this is what you can use. So we have a pretty fun conversation. Jimmy, why don't you lead us in? Yeah, so you know, I I'm gonna do a little further introduction uh, here, but Dr. Chris Wolf is just a trailblazer in uh, uh, our profession. He's he's been involved with uh, so many different things, from AOSA leadership as a student. Uh, he's got a family history of glaucoma. No, I'm just kidding. Optometry. <laughs> His uh, dad is an optometrist. Um, and he's just a kick butt lecturer. If you get the chance, go listen to him. He just, the way he lectures is just unreal. So evidence-based. And, and when I say that, it might not mean, you know, obviously all lecturers, you know, use evidence to back up what they say. But this guy does it to a whole nother level. Uh, he's got some amazing podcasts also. He started doing podcasts about a year ago. Um, and I think the reason he did was because he heard Try Not to Blink and he's like, wow, podcasting sounds so fun. I'm just <laughs> kidding. That's totally not true. He did not hear our podcast at all uh, prior to starting his podcast. In fact, he just started listening to it um, a podcast or two ago this past year. So he's got 55 episodes. Uh, iCode Media is what it's called. And that's his own little production a company with the intention of bringing information to eye care providers um, in, and uh, in all different aspects, but particularly business aspects of optometry uh, and, and uh, helping elevate the profession of optometry. He's a graduate of Northeastern State University, Oklahoma College of Optometry. Um, and uh, basically, this guy won all the awards. You, you name it, he won the awards. And uh, we had a great conversation with him. Check out his podcast, iCode Media. I've listened to a bunch of them, and they are really, really good listens, easy listens. He's got great audio. And he's just a down-to-earth, cool dude. So enjoy this conversation that we had with Dr. Christopher Wolf. All right. So we are going to introduce our guest, the one, the only, Dr. Christopher Wolf. He is the man. You've seen him. He's lecturing. He's going to be in 73 countries this year <laughs> lecturing. He's literally <laughs> lecturing. Every, I'm just, I just made, I don't even know if there are 73 countries. 72. 72. <laughs> 72 <laughs> there I are only 72 that. countries. He is a lecturing um, uh, phenom. He's all over the place. And if, if you have the opportunity to listen to Dr. Christopher Wolf uh, do a CE lecture, uh, definitely take the chance to do it. He's fantastic. Um, one of his strong suits that I have seen him um, do is just so exquisite in his evidenced uh, 
based educational approach. Everything is backed up. Everything is, um, you know, footnoted and, and uh, referenced. Very, very impressive, you know, the work that he puts into to his lectures. So, Thanks, yeah, no, it's, it's impressive. I've never seen anybody uh, do, do a lecture like you. And it just, it really hits because of that. But um, he, he's a real, he's a real doctor. He uh, sees patients and um, you, you too can get an eye exam from uh, Christopher Wolf. He is, where are you? I'm in I Omaha, it. Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha, yeah. Nebraska. Yes, Omaha, Nebraska. Beautiful state. Had the opportunity to yeah. actually go out and see him once at a promotional dinner that I was doing uh, and, and was really happy to see him in the group. Uh, so he, he graduated from uh, the Northeastern State University College of Optometry in Oklahoma. Uh, one of the schools has really led the way in uh, scope expansion and, of course, in uh as a student there you get trained in in surgical techniques so that's one of the things that he's brought with him as a passion and pushing optometry forward he's a proud past american optometric student association president and uh, very involved in his state and national organization he's won all of the awards every award there is up until this point he's won them and uh <laughs> He, the, the thing that I think most people probably know him about uh, or for nationally at this point is the fact that he is a co-founder of KMK. Yes, KMK. The reason you all passed your boards, he actually uh, co-founded that. Maybe go, ahead and, go ahead and uh, pre-prep your thank you notes. <laughs> yeah. So, pass them yeah maybe you don't like me saying that. You probably don't want to say <laughs> no, that. No, no, no. No. So, so to be clear, I, I was um, brought in with KMK when, uh, in, when, so KMK was, I was brought in to kind of make neuro and optics and contact lenses sort of jump off the page. And, okay. but I was not a, a co-founder of the original KMK to be clear. Oh, um, to I me, was brought, yeah, but the, there was, um, so that <laughs> that's why everyone recognizes your voice. So what you're saying. Yeah. Well, there, yeah, there probably is a reason part of the that. reason. Yes. <laughs> um, so it, it was back in 2009 and, um, and then that actually right around that same time, um, in 2011, board certification got really some legs underneath it. Oh, yeah. And so that's the spinoff where um, I was a co-founder of that like, subsidiary company ah, I see. Okay. with the original camp. So I, I, there's a lot of confusion. A lot of people will, will think oh, no, that, no, that's that fine. I was one of the, I spell my name with a C, so I wasn't one of the original Ks. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wondered, like, why did they do that? They totally screwed yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> But, but um, okay. yeah, it was a good run. I mean, that's, that's really how I cut my teeth. And, and, um, and so, you know, I think as, um, you know, as times go on and you uh, develop different passions and different, you know, avenues and areas, you know, people grow apart and, and that's what happened. And you still do, you don't do any KMK no. stuff mm -hmm. anymore. Nope. No more. Well, you know what they did? They got younger, better looking people. No, it's absolutely right. It's absolutely right. You know, when actually, you... we had one of them on. She's smarter. Um, Aaron Kime. Do you know Aaron Kime? I don't. No. Um, she's like, and, and you say Aaron Kime, it's like, is she Aaron from the videos? Like, <laughs> Aaron from the That's videos. Awesome. She's... No, maybe we just appreciate it because we learned off of like your generation of KMK. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're like yeah. our hero. <laughs> That's um, interesting. Thanks. Oh, it's Thanks. true. It's so true. 
Yeah. I, I, so it's funny because I'll have people that will come up to me and um, especially the board certification stuff. And they'll be like, I listened to you in the car for hours <laughs> yeah. and hours. And this yeah. is before I was doing the podcast. Yeah. Anomalous. Yeah. Anomalous. But it's great. I mean, it's awesome. It's awesome when people do that. Cause it's, it's just so fun to, and a lot of times I'll recognize people, you know, I'll, I'll recognize them from, from when I was there. And I, it's such an honor that people like that have, that have, was able to have an impact on people that way. So a guy like you can't sit still, of course. So you have to go, you know, start some other thing besides being <laughs> right. a private practice uh, guy. Um, so you started this this new venture called iCode Education. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So one of the things that I think um, is is a challenge with our profession that, again, really I saw when we would when I would go to schools and talk to students and then talk to doctors is that they have this huge wealth of knowledge on how to treat and manage and diagnose disease. And then what happens really quickly is they get into practice and um, if they don't have a good mentor, like we've talked about before, um, then they're like, well, I, I, I do this and this is how I build that. And, and, you know, this is why I do this. Cause so-and-so taught me that. And you're like, <laughs> what? there's just no what? cohesiveness. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so what winds up happening is that the value that our, that our profession in general ascribes to ourselves at large is our ability to sell a product, right? So like my value isn't in the services that I provide. It's, because I know if I see a patient that needs glasses, I sell them glasses on this routine plan, then I know that's a revenue stream I can count on. It's not, it's not that confusing. I mean, it is confusing, but that's one I can grasp. Right. What I can't grasp well is how do I actually generate revenue for delivering the services that I was so highly trained to deliver? Totally. And unless you get involved with somebody who really understands that, then you're just floundering. And so, um, so that's really what, what the impetus to, to iCode was, is to say, look, we can, I can teach you those rules. And, and they're very simple and straightforward. They're, they're way more simple than boards. Um, if, we can, if, yeah, if, we can, if we can sit through and like make complex ideas of ocular anatomy and physiology and, you know, um, and disease and, and treatments, if we can make that simple, certainly I can make, um, I can make it simple to, to teach somebody that there are rules that you can follow to know exactly what your value is. And, um, and so that's really been, uh, been the, the birth of iCode and it has spawned then into how do you understand if I want to add a specialty service like scleral lenses or IPL or, you know, I'm going to take the time to do corneal debridement and, and amniotic membranes. Um, how can I know that that's going to be worthwhile to my practice? There's a lot of guys that they're like, yeah, I want to do that. But I know I can sell a, a pair of glass. I can see four routine patients in an hour and it's going to make me this much money. And, um, and, and if I would take time to do myopia control, it's going to take me just as much time. I don't see yeah. the, the, so it's like, there are uh, ways that you can figure out that it is yes. worth your time to do. And if you go about those, Jamie, like you said before, is it's just numbers. Yeah. So if you just, if you just evaluate it, you can know like, yeah, on the, on the front end, I can, I can load this up. So I'm, I'm spending more time with patients and I don't have to scramble and run around. But on the back end, once I learn how to do that really well, then it's, it's, not just worth my time, it's exponentially worth more of my time or is, a higher value service than what I can do by performing routine services. Isn't this almost like the antithesis of most optometrists, right? Like 
we went to school to never have to look at numbers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we might yeah. look at numbers to look the at doctors to look at. Yeah, exactly. Your prescription, but like, uh, God, I, we all are so averse to business almost. I mean, not all of us. I know that's a bucket term, but like, why are we so scared at analyzing things like practical models? Like we don't get taught that way. Yeah. And it's that's weird. a shame sort of, right? Because yeah. we all do run a business and I know that medicine shouldn't be a business, but like we all have bills to pay and the more you're doing for treating patients, the like better care you can almost can provide. Well, yeah, you absolutely can. And- yeah. Yeah. So which means that you, you can, you can support your community better and you pay totally. more taxes and they pay more taxes. And, um, and, and you know, if I want to do charitable things, I have the time and resources to do them because I'm not spinning, spinning my wheels all day long, frustrated because I, I'm not making what I think I should make. Totally. Yeah. Um, did you know by vision plans or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so like, so I never really get upset about vision plans. Like if I decide to take a vision plan, plan in my practice, like, well, that's, we've just, we've made that decision. Um, and, and if, if I'm, if I'm doing that and it's not worth my time to do, then I, I can't get mad at the patient. I can't get mad at the vision plan. It was my fault for taking it. Right. right. Totally. Um, and, and so, uh, so I think there's just ways, you know, did you know, I don't, I don't know if you saw this, but on the, one of my high horses now, and I, I say this everywhere I go, <laughs> but I don't know if you've seen the 2018 data on MBA statistics or MBA metrics. They look at independent practices across the country and, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not sure who does it, um, but you can Google MBA metrics optometry 2018 and, and it'll pop up. But um, if you look at just the sale of glasses and contact lenses, it's something like 56% of all the revenue that is generated in independent practice, independent practice um, is generated from the sale of contact lenses and glasses. And if okay. you include routine exams in that, it's 83% of revenue, totally. 7% of revenue is generated from medical services in the average independent optometric practice. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And so, so, but think about the last time you went to a CE course and you, Roy, we were talking about how dry eye is everywhere. Sure. When was the last time you, and you just sat down and looked at how many hours are you spending of your CE in uh, prism prescriptions and getting the right refraction and prescribing the right soft contact lenses and, you know, doing screenings for, you know, obvious optic nerve disease and macular disease. Yeah. I mean, the amount of time we spend on that in our continuing education is almost nothing. Yeah. Zero. And, right. and yet the 7% of the care that most people are delivering is, is 95% of the CE courses that they go to. And yet they just can't make the rubber meet the road. Yeah. Right. Except for a very small, you know, group of people. Yep. So that's, that's really kind of yeah. the impetus. That's the long answer it's to the question of what is I code? Because it's so true. You know, people just get in their practice patterns and they just, uh, they just don't avail themselves to it. It's, it's nuts. So listen, you are all over the place. You're doing a million things. Uh, looking at your, um, you know, little thing that you have online. First of all, is the other doctor in your office a relative? Uh, yeah, my dad. It's your dad. Okay. Yep, well, it's my dad. Yep. And so, then, yep. And we've got an associate as well. Fantastic. Awesome. And so you grew up around eye care. Was it something you thought you do eventually or not? You didn't know when did that become a reality for you? 
Yeah, I, I didn't know until after I was, I actually had graduated from optometry school. And I, so I, I worked, um, I worked in the office all of, most of high school and then all of undergrad. Um, so I got done with under, you know, my classes at noon, went to the, you know, went to the office for about four hours and edge jobs. We had this old uh, patterned edger and, yeah. uh, and you just kind of edge them down a little bit, check the circumference, edge them down a nice. little bit, check the circumference. And, um, so that, you know, I was exposed in that way. And then, um, then I would go to the bar and bartend until 10 o'clock at night and do it again. I the next day. Say, go to the bar, get drunk. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Didn't have time for that. You got to hustle, man. You can't, no kidding. time for that. Uh. Um, but, uh, so anyway, so then, um, then, you know, when I got done with, with undergrad, I, I took a year off and I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do, but, but I worked as in the office as a, a pre-tester for my dad. And I really got to see what, what, what he was doing. Um, and you know, I grew up around, uh, I, I've described this before. Our profession is kind of scrappy, right? We, we can't take anything for granted. We've had to fight for everything we've got yeah. our oh, yeah. patients, you know, our, our access to patients, totally. the ability for those patients to have access to our care. And, um, and so I grew up around that and I didn't fully understand it until that year. And, uh, it sort of got to me, you know, and I, I really liked it. Um, and, uh, and that's when I decided that's what I wanted to do. So awesome. What's yeah. one thing you you and your dad don't get along about? You know, we get along about most things, honestly. Um, ah, if, if, on, it, so if it's anything, it's probably, um, it's probably that I think I'm too smart. <laughs> I mean, honestly, <laughs> honestly, like, he, he's, he's so charitable. No, he's so charitable um, to kind of <laughs> give me leeway of, of, you know, what I want to do in the practice. And, right, right. um, and, and I probably, you know, I probably just get annoyed sometimes, uh, artificially when, when, uh, I'm not getting as much, um, as much boss power as I think I need to have, you know, <laughs> I think that's like a typical, like stereotype of what is it called? Like demographic age groups, right? Oh yeah. Like our general age group. Versus like the baby boomer is so much more patient and conventional versus like yeah. nowadays, just the way that technology moves, like we're ready to fix things fast and now and like be aggressive on how we do things sometimes versus older age groups. And I don't want to say this in a bad way or disrespectful way, but they went with tradition so often too. Yeah. You know, he's, he is, he's a trailblazer. I mean, I don't mean to say that. I don't mean to, to make that um, in any, any way. I mean, he's, he has, uh, I mean, has had a, a direct impact and you, you can talk to anybody um, on so many people's practices um, because he's been there for just un, you know, un, um, not ever needing anything back out of the help that he's willing to give. Uh, and so if anything, you're digging there, Jimmy, but if anything, it's, it's just, you know, my, um, my, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so it's, um, and, and I, I couldn't ask for a better mentor, honestly. Um, he, he's really supportive. And, and if I'm like, yeah, I want to do this. And he's like, all right, let's do it. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it's the, um, it's, uh, it's great. It's really great to have him there. And, and I, he, he's, uh, he sees patients two days a week still. He's taking two weeks off in Cabo right now. And, um, and I'm like, I'm like, you know, you gotta be in the practice. You're really profitable. (laughs) I want you there, but I actually love having him around. I I don't want him to go anywhere anytime soon. Right. Um, so yeah, let's get to know you. Uh, you know, 
we, we all know you're fantastic, uh, you know, champion of optometry. Let's not avoid the big um, pregnancy test in the room. Okay. You are a, a prolific father. Okay. Yeah. What else to say here? I mean, I have a three-year-old and a 20-month-old. I joke with my wife all the time. I'm like, yeah, you know, on a basketball team, you know, I'd, I'd love to have, you know, the ability. You're going for a baseball team. Yeah. You're one We're short. Almost there. Almost yeah. there. I mean, don't stop. Who cares about baseball, man? We're playing football. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Listen, all I have to say is God bless. It. What a beautiful thing. And, uh, you know, I can only imagine, you know, I just think about – because with my kids, I just think about holidays and just, you know, tonight we're sitting around drawing and dancing and just acting goofy. Mm. And it's just, it's literally the best thing, period. So tell me a little bit about your home life. Like, what is it like? You come home from work. I mean, it, listen, it's not very common that folks have eight children. So tell yeah. me what that's like. We had a lady reach out to us uh, the other week and said she wanted to interview somebody for her Omaha magazine that was a unique family. And I was, oh no, actually she said interesting. She said interesting, I think. And I thought, interesting. I, I don't think we're really that interesting, but, um, but I know what she's talking about. And you know, it, I'll tell you, um, it, it, uh, it works because my wife is a saint and she is super yes. organized. Uh, and I'm not even saying that to just, pay her a lot of homage. She, she truly is. And she puts up with me. Um, and, uh, and so that's, that's the real reason that it works, but it's, um, if you were to come into our house, I think there's a lot of people that would come in and they, they think it's kind of chaotic. I mean, there's a lot of kids running around. There's a lot of noise. And I'd love to tell you that I don't lose my cool and, and I never get to yell at the kids, you know, I mean, uh, I don't think there's one night that we sit down to dinner where somebody's not getting up and I'm saying, sit back down, (laughs) not done with dinner, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. That's right. So, um, but no, it's, it's great. And, and, um, and I wouldn't trade it, uh, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Of course. Uh, One of the things that our priest told us when we were getting married, um, well, there's two things that really stuck with me. The first was he said, you know, um, as a Catholic, what you ought to do is to defer to the parent, the spouse that wants more kids. And in my mind, like, uh, you know, I'm 22 years old, 23 years old, something like that. And, um, and I'm thinking, well, I want two kids. There's no, I'm not gonna have two anymore. I had never really thought of like, Jamie wanted six. And I was like, yeah, six, two, whatever, you know, but like, then I'm like, oh, okay, that's okay. All right. I'll defer. And then, um, and so the other thing that he said was, Um, that when you interview people at the end of their lives and you ask them, could they have done anything differently, make more money, save more money, take more trips, anything. It's completely open-ended. Overwhelmingly people say, I wish I would have had more kids. And I can't tell you how many patients have told me that, like just offered it up. And, um, and so that was really, those two things I took to heart. And so we didn't stop at six, but, um, I'll tell you, like when we, when we found out that, that Jamie was pregnant with the seventh, I was like, yeah, fine. I'm, I'm suspending my disbelief, you know, however many anybody wants, you know, it's fine with me. But it was like the first time for her that we were beyond like her number. Her num- yeah. Yeah. So that was a challenge. And then, and then after that, you know, eight, but she, I think we're done. Keep going. I think we're done. Yeah. We're done at eight. We're done. You could be yeah. the 19 and counting family. 
Yeah, well, you know, we could be able to do a podcast or a TV show about it. There you go. <laughs> and then just pass it down to each kid. That's that would right. be an episode. That could be great. Content's we're joking. We're joking, right? You're joking and everybody jokes. You know, I mean, because it's just not, you know, like, in, and not to say that the common thing what everybody does is normal, but, you know, lots of folks, what's well, the average? It's like 1.3 yeah. something kids, right? So, you know, th- is it ever offensive? You is know, it, like, it's a good, that's a great question. Um, I would say it's not offensive, but it's surprising what people will say to us that they would never say to somebody that has no kids or one kid. Yeah. Like what? Oh, just like, um, you know how that Whoa. happens, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Like, or, um, yeah, no, we, we're, you know, I always just, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll joke. I'll say, you know, we're trying to figure it out, you know, and I'm, yeah. I'm having a good what time that, right? trying to figure it out. Yeah, I absolutely do. Yeah. I'm glad and, I didn't um, say that to you. Okay. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I would say I don't, I don't ever get offended by it, but I, but it is, I, it's just interesting to me. Like the things that people think they can say to you, which is fine. But right. they would never say to somebody no. with, with one or, or no kids. Right. Totally. You know, you know, you see two people walking around, enjoying their time, really thoroughly uh, involved with one another, no kids around. Do you know that you're not repopulating the earth? Like, you would never <laughs> say that, you know? Like, who's going who's gonna to take care of you when you're older? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Nobody would say that. But, Your retirement money. That's right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, money. There's yeah. retirement money? That's why I have kids. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. We're going to do a rapid fire little, you know, just a couple questions here. Sure. Get to know you a little bit better. Foreign body removal or scleral lens fitting? Which one? Scleral lens. All day, every day. Yep. All right. Good. Um, salt or pepper? Salt. Favorite condiment? Hmm. Last one you can never have. No Last condiment you can never have. Ever have. Salsa. Salsa. Okay. Is that Salsa. a condiment? Sure. Sure. Uh, you know, well, Would you rather you be... Specify hot, mild, spicy? Yeah. I yeah, do. it'd be spicy. spicy. Real okay. spicy? Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, not, I, I want to I be able to taste other things. How many stars from <laughs> one to four spice? Uh, I'll say three and a half. Ooh, okay. right. um, would you rather be early or late to the airport? You got early, early. I can do work. TSA pre-check guy. I I need to be, you need to get on that. Yeah, I know. As much as I travel, I need to, it's just, (laughs) there's something fundamental about like, like, you know, you've got time. Yeah. Well, saving time for one, but it's, it's just like, look, I'm paying taxes and I got to go, you pay you 80 bucks. So you can do a background check. Just do the background check. You know who I am? Just do the background check. (laughs) Man, I was like first in line. I was like, (laughs) Charge me five bucks. I'll do it. Yeah. I'm in. They had me from hello. I know. I got to do it. I got to do it. You're and not the I first love one. Standing in line in TSA pre check and just like waving to my friends. <laughs> be like, I'll go grab you a coffee. With your shoes on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My what computer's staying in the bag, suckers. Insulted. Oh. I'm like, I'm a peon walking around with my shoes off. This is disgusting. <laughs> That's funny. That's Everybody funny. sees the holes in my socks. Yeah. What's your refractive error? Uh, I'm, I'm about a minus 50 minus 150 with the rule. Oh, okay. Do you yeah. in both eyes, both eyes? Yeah. Do you wear contact lenses? No. Nope. Do you ever wear contact lenses? Not really. Never. I'm loose in space. I, I wear glasses when I'm on my computer and when I'm in clinic yeah. and as soon as I'm done with clinic, I'm like, you know, 20, 30 drive home, 
You know, the, the blur doesn't bother me. I'm glad that your blue block is on a good flyover now. state. Yeah. I, won't, I won't be driving next to you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. 2030 is legal. I'm just kidding. That's true. <laughs> um, tell me, okay, not to, oh, wait, wait, wait. The most important question, I almost forgot. Yeah, come on. We ask yeah. all our listeners is very important. It is, what is your spirit animal? Mm. I.e. the animal that kind of defines your personality. Oh. You can't say a rabbit because that's like just too cliche. Yeah. <laughs> is that, is that would a wolf like? be a cliche? <sighs> I don't think we've ever had a wolf, but now you're going to have to describe why. Yeah. Exactly. I why. don't know. I, I, I've never even thought about a spirit animal, honestly. Well, but think since, since my, I'll, no, I'll answer. I'll be impulsive and answer. Okay. Um, so <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind is obviously my name, right? Okay. And, um, right. and so that, that makes it easy. And, um, they, they're pack animals, so they want to see everybody else do well. Okay. Right? Like in their that. pack. Um, like and, uh, and they got to work hard for their, for their meals. So they got to yeah. hustle. Okay. I like that. That's well, well done. This is a <laughs> good one for like table topic at dinner. Yeah. This yeah, week. Good. Each kid can have a, week, a day to, to say that. Yes, they're going to yes. get it too. Yeah. What's their spirit animal? They're going to say <laughs> yeah. Nikki Haley. Have you heard, have you heard um, who's uh, – um, Ben Shapiro, his spirit animal is Nikki Haley. That's funny. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> that oh, is right. Yeah. Okay. Really important that I'd like all of our guests to learn from you. And aside from just the fact that they need to go check out iCode. But, which they should. Which they obviously will. We're going to have it attached to the episode. But can you give our listeners a top billing tip? Like, give us a tip for coding, right? Yeah. What's a maybe like whether it be like how to properly build an OCT or like INM or ENM versus I codes, like when yeah. you use one of the, like, I don't know, like one of your yeah. favorite tips. Let's hear probably, it. probably the thing that most people get confused on. If you, if you look at nine, nine codes, the difference between nine, nine, two, one, three and nine, nine, two, one, four essentially comes down to, well, MDM. Uh, so medical decision-making. And if you just look at the, um, at the risk. So risk is only one of three areas on medical decision-making. But if you look at the risk, many people are undervaluing when they prescribe a medication. When you look at the American Academy of Ophthalmology, which has only done one thing good ever, and that's come up with this chart. And the chart that they- <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and the chart that they, um, that they have devised is essentially gives, assigns risk to different things. And if you look at the treatment options, the risk for an over-the-counter medication is a level three risk. So a lot of times people will be like, that's a 99212. I, a patient came in and I gave them artificial tears. It's 99212, right? It's easy. It didn't take me any time. But the fact is that they didn't recall that when, when insurance companies are valuing those levels, they're valuing the fact that you spent eight years in school and you've got $250,000 worth of student loans and you're buying malpractice insurance and you've got to employ people to, you know, to, to um, take care of those patients. And and they're valuing your chair costs and all those sorts of things. They're, they're thinking that this problem only required my knowledge to give an artificial tier as being not very hard. And that is not accurate. And so a level three risk for a treatment would be an, an over-the-counter medication. Not a level two, right? That's not a level two. Uh, and a level four risk for um, a treatment option is a prescription medication. So anytime you write a prescription medication on MDM, the risk level, now there's three levels of MDM, but the risk level is a level four, a moderate risk. 
And so that's a common, common mistake that people make. And, and that winds up actually driving the co- our, our distribution curve to the left, mm-hmm. where people are undervaluing the services they're providing because they think it was too easy to come up with that answer. So I always ask people, raise your hand if, you've, if, if in the last week you prescribed Toberdex and build a 9213 and everybody's hand goes up. Yeah. And um, yeah. And, and, um, and so again, there's other nuances to that, like complexity and number of diagnosis and treatment options. But the reality is, is that if you have a, uh, a patient with a new condition that is, uh, or a, a, an established worsening condition, along with a stable uh, condition, then you're already at a level four if you have a prescription medication that goes along with it. So that's, that's, uh, that's one thing that, that is a pearl that people don't think about and is a, a common source of confusion. I think not that I want to have a, well, I would love to, but I've been realizing that I do not bill level fives mm. and I probably provide the care for it. I'm just literally scared to click five. Yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. I if, know, you look at, like- if you look at what CMS expects, they expect about four to 5% of our new and established patients to be level fives. And so it could be obviously significantly higher in, um, in, some, in some patient populations such as yours, but um, there's this idea that like, I don't want to get audited. But like if right. you're documenting well and the patient has a threat to life or vision, I mean, you're, you're a level five, right? Like there's lots of conditions that can threat vision, threaten vision um, that can be level fives. Nice, beautiful. Well, that was a lot of fun. Check out iCode for more beautiful information, tips, tricks, and uh, different uh, fun stuff uh, throughout the year. You drop a podcast every week, correct? Yes. Yep. Every week. Awesome. Thanks again, boss. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Well, that about does it. Before we go, hop on over to iCode podcast for this week's episode to hear Yours truly joining Dr. Wolf on his episode, Um, but also reach out to us for feedback, questions, stories, things you want us to talk about either on Instagram, Facebook, or call or text us 920-350-8622. We can't depart without saying thanks to Valley Contacts for their support, both for the amazing lenses they make and the great people they are to work with. And be sure and tune in and listen to our next episodes. But until then, try not to blink.